1: We go now to the Rangitz Brothers RV phone line, and we welcome in the brand-new head coach of the Cal Poly Mustangs, former Eastern Washington head coach and uh, Cal assistant, Bo Baldwin. Bo, thanks so much for being with us. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, well, we're certainly happy to have you on. And I guess uh, we'll start with the obvious thing. You were, you know, an outstanding coach, national champion at Eastern Washington. You go to the Pac-12, and you're at Cal. The Cal Poly job opens up, of course, in this offseason. What made that an attractive spot for you, and why did you say, hey, I want to get back into the big sky, back into the FCS?
3: You know, more than anything, it was one of those situations where, I mean, my time at Cal has been amazing. And uh, just learned so much in the three years I've been there. But every year away from being a head coach, uh, you know, I won't mix any words. I got, I got more and more hungry to be a head coach again. You know, so that was that was the feeling. I just it, it probably I probably learned more about myself in the last three years. Got better as a coach and truly understood um, just what where my true passion. My passion's always been with football, but it's even at another level as a head coach. So. When, but it wasn't just going to be for anything—that's for sure. But but when I was approached with this one, and the people that were involved in this hiring process, getting a feel for everything from the area to the foundation that has been set here before by Coach Walsh and and ton, you know a ton of great alums and uh, you know great former coaches, former players, it just this one felt right, you know quite honestly. And I wouldn't have—I uh, definitely wouldn't have done it if it didn't feel right. But this one, one hundred percent you know, felt right, and I couldn't
1: be couldn't be happier. Well, Cal Poly is, you know, first of all, San Luis Obispo, such an amazing town, and then the university there, uh, absolutely outstanding, second to none, but also such a high academic standard. So when you sit there and go try and balance out, you know, the draws to the place, but also some of the hurdles you're going to have to overcome, what do you think about?
3: I think it's still, it's all positive stuff. I mean, I don't care where you're at, you're going to have your challenges, you know, so but if you focus on why you can be great you focus on the positives it's amazing here um and some of the positives to being able to recruit you know just those high academic kids those kids that want to be here for that reason those guys also understand a lot of things like things like time management what it takes you know from a from a work ethic standpoint um you know from a coaching standpoint and you know i've experienced that in the last three years at cal so i got a great understanding of the difference you know uh, with that type of uh, standard set, so I think when people look at it as a hurdle, they're they're you know you can you can go to any program in the country and find hurdles, but if that's what you focus on, that's you know that's where your energy is going to go. I look at this place as those are all positive things. Um, we're going to be able to fill this roster with the right type of kids, the right type of Cal Poly kids, and uh, you know and 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 build this sucker the way we want to.
0: Hey, Bo Coulter talking. Good to have you back in the big sky, man. Yeah, good. On yeah Coulter, uh, good to hear you. The uh, Being at Cal, though, being at Cal Berkeley the last three years, what did that teach you just about recruiting at a high academic institution because Cal Berkeley is world class, as well yeah. as just being in the state of California in general and just the, the advantages and disadvantages that come with that?
3: Yeah, there's no question. I mean, to me, I'm a, better, I'm a much better coach than I was three years ago when I left Eastern. And so my experience at Cal is, you know, and I owe Coach Wilcox huge thank you for, for taking a chance on me, bringing me in there, because I've learned things, you know, just from the other coaches he brought in. I've learned a ton from Coach Wilcox. I've just grown a ton. And when it comes to, yeah, the state of California, I understand the state that much better. Not that we didn't dive down here when I was at Eastern, but now you're, you're in it. So I just understand the state that much better. I understand the student-athletes that are being recruited at those high academic universities and what attracts them and and why they're coming there and and understand how to communicate with those guys once they're on campus. And, uh, you know, it's not like it's some vastly different, you know, but there are enough little things that you pick up along the way that I think put me in a much better spot uh, to be in this position than I would have been, you know, like I said, three years ago.
1: Bill Baldwin joining us. He's the brand new coach at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, and and coach, you've been out of the conference for just three years, but it seems like over that time there's been some significant changes, and some teams are kind of coming up a little bit, and obviously you got a couple. You're even to a point now where there's a couple of guys who were assistants under you that are head coaches in the conference now uh, as well. But when you look at the Big Sky Conference as a whole, coming back to it now, what do you see, and what do you think has changed just in the time that you were at Cal?
3: You know, I see a, a similarity in the, that the league is just tough. It's tough. It's competitive. Um, you know, and, and obviously there's some places that are growing, you know, to, to another level. And, uh, you know, you know, both Montana schools just, you know, competing at an incredibly high level. You know, and, and that situation there, obviously, Coach Choke got there right as I was. I was kind of getting out. I think one year, but Coach Alk, I can remember back in the day. You know, for years. So I have a ton of respect for what they're doing up. You know, there. Um, obviously, you're seeing some others you brought up. Coach Taylor uh, at Sac State and what they did, and spending my year with him. That I got to spend in '16 at Eastern. I just learned so much. I have so much respect. Coach Best, obviously, I've known for a long time. Took over at Eastern after I after I left. So yeah, I have a lot of. There's some familiarity with a lot of those guys. There's definitely, like I said, programs taking a huge jump. We got to see UC Davis. I know the year didn't go exactly like they wanted this year, but they're going in the right direction there. And We got to see them firsthand last year at Cal. So um, without mentioning everyone, the league is strong. The league is strong. The coaching is very strong. Um still able to recruit, uh, you know, to get those high-caliber players that that always, in my opinion, probably could have been just fine in the Mountain West, and they play in the Big Sky. I always felt like we had a lot of those guys at Eastern. And so everyone we play every week in this conference is going to be an absolute bear, and we know that.
0: Coach Joe was talking uh, just last week about the quality of coaches, just like you were just talking about in the big sky. But you look across the league down there, I think there's eight head coaches in the league that have that, that you did at least a little bit of a stint as an FBS coordinator of some sort, including yourself, Troy Taylor. You mentioned all those guys. But w- just being in the FBS, being at the high level, especially being in the Power Five like you just were, what sort of things did you learn that maybe you didn't expect? Yeah,
3: I mean, the biggest thing I learned, a lot of it, is Probably the biggest part of it is is in the recruiting world, mm-hmm. you know, and just how much goes into that, how early it goes into that. And I know it's different at the FCS, but you can still adopt a lot of the strategies and a lot of things you do and a lot of the ways you communicate with these guys and you build that relationship over time. And not that we didn't was at Eastern, but it is a different game right now. So a lot of what I learned, um, you know, falls within the recruiting uh you know the recruiting aspect the calendar what that looks like how early with these guys the connection with the parents you know and and the different things that maybe are a little bit different um than how i felt when i left eastern washington so that's one of the biggest things i mean i took little things from every piece of that gal experience though you know from different coaches i was around to everything there so you're right i mean having that experience is big you know and and one other coach i didn't mention who was in that spot and doing a tremendous job and and, you know, there's also Coach Hill but I got to compete against. have so much respect there as well. So, you know, and I know I'm leaving some guys off, but just uh, he's another guy in that same boat. And, man, his team just plays like, you know, just like his personality. But maybe he developed some of that personality when he was, you know, an FBS assistant and kind of felt that and knew what his program was going to look like once he got the shot. But that experience definitely helps you.
0: As you know, recruiting is such a huge part of this. We were talking on the show yesterday. Yeah, you know, at Eastern, you guys had such a great thing going. Just because, uh, as we've talked about for years, the state of Washington is just under recruited, and you guys were able to get so many good guys out of Washington, get them to come to Eastern, and that, that was just a, that was an advantage for you guys to be able to get guys out of Yakima and Seattle and Tacoma. Do you, what's it going to take to find a similar advantage when you talk about San Luis Obispo, California?
3: I think more than anything, I mean, you got to, at this level, and especially when you're at Cal Poly, you know, um, at this level, it's not as if you're winning on a guy that usually, I'm saying in most cases, usually aren't winning because you beat six other guys in recruiting. And then you get them, like you would at a high, high level, Alabama, Texas, wherever, where you beat seven guys, and then you get that top-tier guy and you roll the balls out. we got to do a better job than our opponents. This is something we pride ourselves at Eastern of out-evaluating. Mm-hmm. So evaluating, you know, because a lot of those top-tier guys are talking about, whether they were Washington or whether it was a Vernon Adams out of California or some other guys, you know, that, that weren't from Washington, a Samson Ibukam out of Portland. A lot of those guys, it wasn't so much... Um, you know, it was more about out-evaluating people because they really weren't being evaluated at a high level. They weren't being recruited at a high level, including guys like Cooper and Vernon and, and Samson. So, and then once they get on campus, you got to take the mindset of also we have to out-develop people. So the same thing I'll take with Cal Poly. I know the index numbers and what it takes to get in here are a little bit tougher, but that's also a positive thing. You're able to earmark those guys that truly fit. And then you just got to do a better job than your opponents of first out evaluating these guys. And when you are in those recruiting battles, you know, win those things, but also out developing them within your, within your program once they're on campus.
1: Did Samson Ebby turn out to be pretty good? <laughs> I don't know. He wasn't bad. I guess he wasn't so. Bad. I guess sure. it worked out for him.
3: Um, you know, still isn't bad. And it, what's unfair for him is he still kind of just stays because he's playing for the same. He almost stays a little bit in Cooper Cup's shadow. People don't talk about it. Right. Much, but, yeah. I mean, that guy's, like I said, absolute, absolute dude.
1: Bill Baldwin joining us, uh, new head coach at Cal Poly. And, coach, last one for me, but Cal Poly has been. A triple-option club for as long as uh, as long as I'm aware, and so uh, with you coming in, you know, kind of an offensive mind, and they've had uh, you know a lot of reasons for doing that. But what is your vision for what you want to run at this school?
3: Uh, we're going to run what what I've run for years, and uh, we're going to be multiple. I mean, at times it'll look like gun spread, but I still don't I still don't get away from you know using two tight end sets. I still don't get away from at times getting under center. Did for all those years at Eastern. You know, I think people's eyes remember, oh, they were past happy and they spread it out, which we did. But we did a little bit of both, you know, and, and uh, we'll continue to be multiple, we'll be attacking. And sure, I mean, it'll be a 180. I mean, it won't, it won't look anything like what it did before. There's no doubt about it. Um, and that sometimes takes a little time, but I don't think it has to take as much time as people think. Well, I'll tell you,
1: know, you, I'll tell you what, I know that a lot of coaches uh, are not looking forward to going up against your offense, whatever it is, but I know they're all happy to not face a triple option. I think I can speak for the league on that. Yeah, so. I
3: know. I, I, believe me, they're probably happy. No matter what we do offensively, I guarantee a bunch of those defensive coaches are good. At least I get to face a normal offense. No, no, no question. That's, that's it. It's funny. Even if you do well against the triple option, you still finish the game going. Thank God that's over. Right. You know. I mean, we had those where we we'd have great defensive days and Schmeds or Graham or whoever was my DC. Ah, thank God. What do you mean? We did really well. I know, but man, you know. So I, I get it. I do. But obviously, that's not that's not me, and that's not what we're gonna do.
0: Well, last question then for you, Bo. I know that you're going to be now in California, and we mentioned Sam's Nebicom, Cooper Cup. Those guys playing up just up the road in Los Angeles. So are you going to get a chance to catch a game before this thing hits full force, or is this going to be all work for you?
3: I don't think so, bro. I mean, <laughs> you know how that is. I'm lucky to text him right now. Yeah, right, right. We got to do – we actually did have a text back and forth, though, the other day. But, uh, no, nah, my NFL watching days, they're going to be probably – and truthfully, I'll probably be on hold till the day I retire. So, like, yeah. you know, I'll catch him on TV once in a while when we get a chance, but too busy for that.
1: Well, Bo, congratulations, man. Welcome back to the Big Sky Conference. It's uh, great to have you back in it, and we're excited to see what happens at Cal Poly here uh, this year and going forward after that. Best of luck to you, all right? Appreciate
3: it. Thanks for having me.
1: New uh, head coach Cal Poly, a uh, guy who's been around a little bit and uh, knows what's going on. I thought he, I thought he had some really interesting things to say. You know, the recruiting process is not just about the sale. You know, I think everybody thinks about the sale, especially on something like tomorrow when you got signing day and everything like that. Coulter, you got to go in, convince the kid, hey, this is where you want to be. It's what's best for you. It's also about assessment, right? I mean, in in fact so very much about at the fcs level about projection and what a guy can be and, and 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 what you expect his development to look like and 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 the guys who can do that i mean it's it's an unknown but it is a it's not a zero unknown i mean you, there there are signs and things to look for in the guys who can do that well and develop them well i mean some of it isn't just about development it's about being in a program that develops uh, too. You know, you could have a guy with the biggest hands and feet in the world who would have been <laughs> something else in another program but didn't turn out because he was not in a program that, you know, made that happen. Uh, so there's, there's a bunch of factors into it, but creating that is something that obviously is, uh, is something that Bo Baldwin has prided himself on, certainly proven that he can do that at a place like Eastern Washington and now at a place like Cal Poly, you know, he thinks he's got all the reason in the world that he's going to be able to do that again.
0: Cooper Cup had one full ride coming out of high school. It was not to Eastern Washington. It was to Idaho State University. Mm-hmm. He took a half scholarship, and they thought they were taking a chance. Jay Dumas, who used to be an assistant coach at Montana State, he got—he well, was part of Mike Kramer's staff that got let go uh, in the scandal in the spring of 2007. He lands uh, at Eisenhower High School in. Yakima and then ends up coaching at AC Davis High School in Yakima if you're familiar with Yakima it's a pretty stratified community there's definitely like you know, East Valley and Eisenhower are definitely uh, the quote-unquote nice high schools AC Davis is what people would call a rough high school Cooper cup came up in that environment and always had a chip on his shoulder and when Jay Dumas then got a job at Eastern Washington and then he was working alongside Junior Adams the former Bobcat wide receiver, who was the wide receivers coach at Eastern Washington, he said, hey, there was this kid, I coached him in JV football, he's tiny, but he's the best dude I've ever seen catching the ball. And so they looked this kid up, at the time he was about 6 foot 175 pounds, when he comes to Eastern he grows about an inch and a half, puts on about 30 pounds during his red shirt year, Oh, and then goes out and catches 23 touchdowns as a freshman and ends up catching 80 touchdowns in his Eastern Washington career. But that's the development. Sometimes you gotta find that guy, take a chance on that guy. You never know what they might become, and it might happen way faster than you ever think. Right. That's that's where like I just giggle. Like tomorrow we're gonna see three star recruits sign with programs across the Big Sky Conference and across the FCS. I can't think of a guy who's a three-star recruit that that has signed with the Montana schools in the last couple of years that has then turned into, like, one of the greatest players on the team. It's hardly ever that. Mm-hmm. Samari Tour had zero stars. None. Zero. None. <laughs> Look, I mean, he just set the school record for receiving yards in a season. It's crazy. Right? Like, yeah. Dalton Sneed is a two-star recruit. Like, that, he's that's pretty good. Going to UNLV. Okay. FBS. But, like, it's not like he's a— Here's a great example. I, this this tweet had me laughing all weekend long. Travis Johnson, coming out of Servite High School in Anaheim, California, was the number three rated quarterback in the entire class of 2015. When Joe Burroughs won the Heisman on Saturday night, somebody tweeted out the list of the top 24 quarters, the the top 24 quarterbacks in the class of 2015. Yeah, Joe Burrow, high, high school, high school quarterback. quarterbacks. Yep. Joe Burrow was number 24 on that list. But you look up there, and Travis Johnson's name used to be Travis Waller. I don't know the story behind that. I don't know if we'll ever know. But regardless, here's Travis Waller ahead of Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow. Kelly Bryant. Kelly Bryant. I mean, Gardner, miss you. Like, on down the line. And it's just so funny because Travis Johnson, I give that kid all the credit in the world. Because look at the other guys. Like, DeAndre Francois, where's that guy? Yeah. Where, where where did he end up at? You know, and I, I, just, I, I think that so often at all levels of football, but especially at this level of football. If it doesn't work out,
1: then all of a sudden... If
0: you're a three-star yeah. guy, chances are you're coming to a, an FCS school because you want to play early. And if you don't, what are you going to mean to the locker room? How are you going to buy in? But also, what's your motivation to improve? Whereas if you're the... No, Like Mitch Brott told me, he said, I couldn't believe that I was a f- super state selection uh, starter in the Montana East-West Shrine game. I played in the Mondak Bowl, and no one on planet Earth would give me a full-ride scholarship. And he said, uh, so I just grinded until I got one. And he, he had to start like 20 yeah. games in a row before mm-hmm. he got a full scholarship. Mm-hmm. But sometimes
1: that's the greatest motivation. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it's to tell new ones, one oh two ninety ESPN radio. Uh, Coulter, just quickly here, we, I, I alluded to this off the top, but earlier today, uh, we were sitting around look at what was going on and the North uh, excuse me, the New Mexico job, which was open, uh, had a couple of names, specifically Jay Hill and then later Jeff Choate circulating around it. Now that has gone away because they've hired Danny Gonzalez, the defensive coordinator from Arizona State. But do you think there's a chance that anybody gets hired? I mean, we're we're at a point now at the FBS level where most of the jobs that have had that were going to become open have been open and the search has commenced. And if we were going to hear about some of this stuff, you would have thought we would have heard about it by now because the season is over for the bad teams. Uh, and so... Uh, But, nonetheless, you still have places like New Mexico that probably got to take some time before they are able to kind of identify their candidates and get that thing rolling. Is there any chance that anybody leaves the Big Sky Conference uh, for another job in this offseason? I don't think so. Yeah.
0: I think that when you see news like Jay Hill has emerged as a leading candidate for the New Mexico job when he's in the middle of a week of preparation for the semifinals, oftentimes that's like a leak from maybe even his camp to try to leverage a contract extension or more money from Weaver State. Because right now, you know, I mean, Jay Hill has Weaver State at heights unseen. They have never been to the semifinals of the FCS playoffs. Right. But on the other hand, you have to also wonder just – What's the ceiling of Weber State? It, it's it's going to be a matter of time before Jay Hill leaves because I just think that where where can you take Weber Yeah, that's a better than it is right now? I mean, who knows? Maybe he hits the... I mean, imagine if he would have gotten Jake Mayer a couple of years ago. And that's what it came down to, is Weber State and UC Davis. Imagine if
1: he would have hit on Jake Mayer where they would be right now. I mean, right. they might be a national championship favorite. And by the way, when we say these are being you know circulated, we're talking about Bruce Feldman. I mean, this is a guy who is not just putting stuff out there willy-nilly or, you know, tweeting stuff that isn't real. I mean, Bruce Feldman is, is uh, you know, one of the best there is when it comes to reporting and journalism at the college, in college football. And so, you know, we're not just like, hey, you know, some eight-year-old from Pensacola tweeted something. Lots of eight-year-olds in Pensacola are trying to keep their thumb on the Big Sky Conference coaching circus, though. That is true. Uh, but anyway, so for what it's worth, so you know where, where, where we're coming from on some of this stuff. Uh,
0: I thought that the, I don't know, the, the 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 Jay Hill stuff came from Football Scoop originally, and then it had several different reporters that were in on it and with sources and stuff, but then the, the choke thing seemed like piling on. uh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I'm not here to question Bruce Feldman. He's one of the great college football writers in the United States of America. He's got more sources than I could ever even dream of having, but it was a quote tweet of his Jay Hill tweet that said, you know, watch out for the name Jeff Choate as well, because he's also got his big sky team in the semifinals. But like, I've talked to people at Montana state and they said that Choate was not in any way involved in the New Mexico job, I don't know, man. I mean, Jay Hill has experience coaching in the Mountain West as well as in the Pac-12 during his time at Utah. There's no parallel for Jeff Choates to New Mexico. That would just make zero sense. And I just, with the facility upgrades that Montana State's about to go through, with how much Jeff Cho has talked about how he likes coaching at this level, he likes being a head coach, he likes coaching being a head coach at the FCS, and the fact that his son plays for the team, I just think it's going to take a pretty special opportunity for him to want to leave.
1: Uh, all right. Speaking of, we'll be coaching Saturday at North Dakota State. North Dakota State's been on quite a run. He had some thoughts about that run that they've been on, just in the landscape of college football in general. We'll bring that to you and have a discussion right after this. Hey. By the way, I want to tell you guys, Friday, this Friday, we're going to be at the Southgate Mall. Coulter and I doing the show live, 4 to 6, Friday night. It's December the 20th. You got a ton of shopping to do. Go to the mall. It's all there for you. We're going to be setting up right there in Clock Court next to the clock. So we'll, we'll know exactly what time it is. We'll hit all of our marks on all of our segments, undoubtedly. Uh, but come on down and hang out with us. We'll even hang out for another hour or so after the show and uh, and chat with you, whatever you'd like. We got a bunch of stuff to give away from AMC, Lucky's Mark. Uh, Market, Champ Sports, Just Sports, and also Red Robin. So we'll be giving, you know, plenty of gift cards and uh, and things out to, uh, to these different uh, shops and stores, restaurants around the mall, and uh, having an all-around good time. Holiday spirit, man, festive down there at uh, Southgate Mall. So we're looking forward to that. So come on by, say hi, hang out with us, and uh, get some shopping done, for crying out loud, Friday night at the Southgate Mall. Back after this. Let
0: the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not.
1: ESPN Missoula Sports Center. Good afternoon, Ryan Tutel, Colton Uwana's 1029 ESPN Sports Center. Did I say afternoon? Maybe it's evening now. I think we've made it there. Montana State, they play in Fargo at North Dakota State in the semis of the FCS playoffs Saturday afternoon. But also, they played in Fargo last night in men's basketball as well. The Bobcats, though, turned the ball over 16 times, led to 26 NDSU points in a 79-65 loss. Vinny Shaheed scored a game-high 24 for NDSU, while teammate Tyson Ward added 19 points and 13 boards. The Bison also were 10-26 from beyond the arc. Amina Damu paced the Bobcats with Nineteen Harold Frey at an 18. The Cats shot 49% as a team. They are now 6-4. and four. They play at Cal-, Cal State Bakersfield Thursday. Helena's
0: Ty Erickson and Miles City's Haven Megged locked up World Championship Saturday night at the National Finals Rodeo in Las Vegas. Erickson finished number one in the world in steer wrestling despite finishing out of the money on Saturday. The former Montana State Cowboy was ahead of Butte Bridger Chambers, originally from Stevensville, who rose to second place in the world standings and third in the average at the NFR with a third place finish on Friday night. Megan, a 21-year-old rookie, won two buckles, first in the average and second in tie-down roping.
1: And finally, Wednesday is the beginning of the early signing period. Montana State has 20 known verbal commits, while the Grizzlies have 15. Also tomorrow night, Montana men's basketball at Oregon.
0: Man. You're if, you if, you if you spend as much time <laughs> with my two best friends growing up, like I did. Yeah. The Palmer twins, Generally. former Grizz football players, but also opera performer extraordinaires, songs like that become true rock opera comedies that they mm. are singing and fighting to <laughs> and they are <laughs> at first, hilarious, and afterwards, excruciatingly annoying. Yeah. So shout out to Ty if he's by chance listening to the show, because he does live in Missoula now. And, uh, you know, if you sang Meat Loaf to me this time, Ty, I would love it, because I would think it was a
1: flash from the past. Two-Tail two on 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios, Kurtz Polaris, 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83, and see the online at kurtzpolaris.com. Check us out on the Instant Grams At 1029 ESPN. Giving away tickets to the Lady Grizz home opener January 2nd right now. So go on, follow at 1029 on Instagram and uh, check us out there. By the way, at Gus Tutel at 1029 ESPN and Ask Island Sports MT on Twitter too. Uh, You can check that out. For my money, Meatloaf's best, best that he's ever done. Fight Club. That's what I think about (laughs) Meatloaf. Very nice. Uh, All right, Coulter. Let's hear from Jeff Choate quickly. Uh, if, if he does it quickly, he's about in a minute or, or so. And just he was asked if the NDSU run broadly is good for college football. And he's got a bunch of things to say about it. So let's hear what he's got to say and then we will return to it right after this. Just the run
4: that they've been on this last decade, do you think it's good for college football? Do you think it's good no. the FCS? I think we all got to play the same game. You know, so... Um, but it is what it is. These are the, these are the rules we're playing by. And so uh, I hope that we can make it more competitive. I'm sure they love it, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's the same storyline every year, right? And um, like I said, if you've got one group that's offering three thousand thirty four hundred dollars a year in cash to these kids that another group isn't, we're not, it's, the scholarship isn't apples and apples. So are we really playing on the same level? Um, I don't know. But that's not my decision to be made. I mean, I, I think everything should be, every, you want everything to be competitive. I don't think it's good that Alabama, and you know, they're not in the playoff this year, but I don't think it's good that Clinton, you know, you can pick your four teams and they're always in it. You know, I don't think that's good for college football either. I think they got to examine it, you know, because eventually everybody's going to go, well, why don't you just go play a different brand of professional football and then we'll all go over here and play our little brand of football. And um, So, yeah, I mean, I think it's always better for. Uh, for for fan bases for the game as a whole when there's parity and I think that's one of the things you see in the NFL there's you know people are kind of sick of the Patriots obviously but there is more parity in the NFL and that's because everybody's playing by the same rule everybody's got the same salary cap you know those types of things are pretty level
1: so there you go uh, Jeff showed on a number of things now here I, I'm going to try and tease out two different things that I get out of this one in which I agree with him and another with one in which I do not agree with him okay okay <laughs> Where I agree with him is in what is an objective fact, and I know you had a lot of thoughts about this, about the cost of attendance stipend, the benefit that that is to schools that offer it, and the fact that it actually does create a an, I don't know if you want to call it unfair, but it's certainly uneven playing field when it comes to recruiting. And for a place like North Dakota State to have all the things they have going for it, and in fact to be able to offer cash money on top of a full scholarship to students that are coming. It's not a ton. Cost of attendance stipend is essentially an amount of money, $3,000 or so, that kids on full scholarships can get because the scholarship covers books, uh, uh, obviously classes, place to live uh, in there as well. But there's other things, you know, gas for your car, cell phone bills. That kind of stuff is not covered. So you still have money that you have to pay for things that you need even if you have a full ride scholarship okay and right. so and you can't have a job really i mean you you can ha- right. i mean you're not there's not really a way to <laughs> To, to sit there and work on the side. You can a little bit, you know, here and there, but, uh, you know, you're not having, you're not, you, you, you can't just do it like that. A lot of kids have full-time jobs or close to it and then also go to school. You can do a little bit of stuff, you know, in the off season or whatever. But, um, so anyway, that's what the stipend does. It's basically actual money that you get to use for whatever you want, but basically to cover what they estimate the rest of your actual expenses are. And it's, and it's a big
0: deal. Yeah, like man, kids I, not I, care I, about this. I, I think this is actually the most fascinating thing in sports fandom, the lack of knowledge of how all of this stuff actually works. I think most people that follow Montana Montana State would be shocked to know that even before the, the concept of full cost of attendance even existed, that... The money that you're receiving for scholarships, it's not, like, brokered and filtered through the school oftentimes. Like, when you're an upperclassman, you get your scholarship check every month. Yeah. You can do whatever you want with it. Right. If you want to go get a bunch of tattoos, I know guys that used to do that. They would straight go to the tattoo parlor, and they'd figure out rent and food later.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You totally can. And, and it can reach the level of, I mean we've seen the scholarship money be used for for crazy and terrible things even in the state of Montana before well but all, all I'm saying is that it's not like okay so two parts first of all you get your you get a stipend every month when you're an upper class you don't live in the dorms. Mm-hmm. And you can use as much of your money as you want. I don't know what it is now. It's probably a lot more than it was when I was in college, but I know when I was in college, my buddies used to get 660 to 680 bucks if they were full ride guys. I backed in and you're probably sharing a house with four other guys. So you got $300 rent and then you got 360 to live the rest of the month. And you know, part of that probably has to go to cable or internet, power or whatever. internet.
1: Yeah.
0: And my buddies would always be scrambling to even have money to eat even though you're on a full ride and you certainly can do like the meal plan thing at the food zoo, but we're upper class. you are trying to be in a, a quote unquote adult. You don't want to do the, the campus living thing, whatever. So I remember that, that we used to all put our money in the middle of the table and say, okay, let's go to Costco. Let's get 250 bucks worth of food and we'll share it till it's gone. And we'd get by like that. So but, what did
1: you do the next day?
0: <laughs> yeah, right? No doubt. <laughs> um, but but then now you factor in full cost of attendance, and I think that you know at the Power Five program, especially in the SEC, these guys, these, these kids are getting between six thousand and sixty three hundred dollars per academic year. Which, I mean, again, it's not like this outrageous amount, but it is after your room and board is fully paid for, you are getting a, an extra stipend that you can use for whatever you want. And it is a recruiting advantage. I think that the number one thing that Jeff Choate's pointed at, though, is it's not the football element. If you offer full cost of attendance, this is not just a football thing. Title IX requires you to offer full cost of attendance for every student athlete you have on scholarship. Mm-hmm. So, like, people have asked... I, I We mentioned this on... We played the sound the other day on... Or we, this this soundbite's been circulating. And it hit the, the Fargo radio stations. But I had a couple Twitter engagements... Uh, last night into the day that we're asking, well, why doesn't Montana, Montana State just do this? If they have 63 people on scholarship, it would be about $230,000. Don't they have somebody that can just write a check? No, it would be like a million plus dollars yeah. because you have to offer it to every single athlete. And so that's where it just, the the thirty the $3,340, I thought it was so funny that Jeff Choate knew to the dollar amount how much NDSU athletes get. But it's $3,340. That exact dollar amount, though, is it, it's microcosmic example of the fact that everybody at the school gets it. So that's how much more investment they have in sports. And It just shows you the gap. Like they're operating with the amount of money, relatively obviously not true cut and dry, but they're operating on way higher level of budget than most schools. Mm-hmm. I mean, North Dakota State, North Dakota State's budget. For athletics, $29 million and change. I think Montana's athletic budget last year was $20 million, and that was including the massive amount of payment that they had to do on the Champion Center. So you're talking probably more like $14 million. You're talking twice as much money for North Dakota State. But well, then you look at James Madison, insane. They're $52.5 million is their athletic budget. Mm-hmm. So they're almost twice of what NDSU is. Mm-hmm. And there's all sorts of different factors that go into it. One of the biggest issues on campus at the University of Montana has been putting a athletics fee into the tuition. It's so interesting because when you have a football team that's number one in the country or around there consistently for a decade, everybody's like, yeah, I'll pay the 178 bucks for the athletic fee. Give me my free tickets to the Grizz games. Give me my free tickets to the basketball games. But then it becomes a huge point of contention when your football team's getting in trouble or when they're not winning at a high level. And all of a sudden, that academic stipend goes away or gets reduced James Madison straight up charges like $300 plus per student and when you have 25,000 plus students that is a gigantic influx of money into your athletic department That's not hasn't been the case here but it is the case North Dakota State it is the case of James Madison yeah. so I think that you know
1: is North Dakota State's run for college football I don't know what do you think is North Dakota State's run good for college football we'll take a break we will come back and we will discuss that very point because I have some thoughts on it okay So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot.
0: Even though we're like only marginally older than David... There used to just be so much less to consume, so everybody was inundated with the same pop culture. Think I know. About, think about, you were, you were not alive for one day in the 1970s. Think about how much you know about the 70s. So very much. And think about how little people that were born in the
1: 90s and 2000s know about the 70s. Nothing. Started with 70, then it went to 71, 72, and it carried on like that till it got to 80. And then I came along. Uh, it is tell on We are broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Sealy, online at kurtzpolaris.com. Uh, if you would like to uh, go ahead and listen to the show, you can listen to the whole thing at your leisure, on your terms, on your time, on the podcast. The 2 tell on Nuwanis podcast available wherever you get your podcasts, and it is available thanks to the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. Again, Lady Grizz tickets, we're giving them away on Instagram, at 1029ESPN. You want them? You got them. An eight pack to their January second home conference opener. Okay, go check it out at 1029 ESPN on uh, uh, Instagram. Yeah, just go follow us there. You're in the uh, in the running for those tickets. Uh, Coulter, the question was: Is the NDSU run good for college football? The answer in my line, in my mind, contrary to what Jeff Choate had to say, is unequivocally yes, it is. The reason it is, here's the thing: it's not the same thing as Alabama and Clemson. Okay, first of all, it's not the same thing as anything. It's not the same thing. But but what I'm saying: seven out of eight nat-
0: championships oh, of any level has that ever? I mean, find me. Maybe maybe it's been done. Like the there, it has been done in in Montana. You can compare it to the Bozeman High School cross country
1: team. I'll tell you. I'll tell you who you can compare. I'll I'll tell you who you can compare it to. UCLA basketball is a good one uh, from David there. I'll tell you who you can compare it to, and the guy who – formed my opinion on this. His name is Gino Oriema, and oh, yeah. he runs the biggest show in the history of shows if you want to talk about world domination, and that is the Yukon women's basketball team. And he gets asked this question and reacts very violently to it, which I admire him for. He says, are you kidding? Is Tiger Woods good for golf? Is this good for women's basketball? And here's why it is. Because it brings people in it to does. something they would not otherwise be into. And North Dakota State brings people to the FC level of football. Do they though? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And and Man. and people are interested in it because they're aware of it. And mm-hmm. how many more people are watching golf tournaments that Tiger Wood is playing in than when he isn't? How many Right.
0: More? I think that the, there's a flaw in your parallel though. Tyra Woods is the greatest golfer in the world, or at least at his peak was absolutely the greatest golfer in the world. Yes. All of the best women's basketball players in the world play for UConn. They've had multiple all-time greats from De- Diana Taurasi to Maya Moore to Brianna Stewart. Right. The greatest. These aren't the greatest
1: college football players. No, they're, they're the greatest non-FBS. Okay, that's fine. But here, you know what's going on Saturday? Nothing. But North Dakota State will be playing, and there will be people who go, "Oh wow!" No, there's let's, NFL. There's let's NFL see what's going on. on Actually, Saturday, there are man. three and on Saturday.
0: Nobody's going to watch the FCS game.
1: You're you're wrong about that, Coulter. You're wrong. Uh,
0: they will more watch. People watched last week, and then we'll watch this weekend. That's
1: tried and true. The, the ratings have showed it for ten years. With North Dakota State playing, there will be more eyeballs on the North Dakota State Montana State game than there would be if it was any other team playing football. And that's also, true. people continue to have a narrative and an understanding of what this team is, and or uh, in general, they're the only FCS team that has any space in the American conscious. North Dakota State. That's it. And so for them to be there is a boon to everyone and significantly Saturday to the Bobcast. Let's go to the phones. We welcome in our dear friend, Tucker Sargent. Hello, Tucker. How are you? I know you got thoughts on this. We don't have a ton of, ton of time. You're off and running. What do you got?
5: Well, I think Coulter sort of touched on it right as I started calling and then it, I couldn't hear you anymore. But I think the big discrepancy is the fact that you look at Tiger Woods or UConn women where they're the, they're the peak of whatever sport they're in. I think for NDSU, because it's, FCS is already sort of an unknown to most college football fans when there's just one team that dominates that way. it just I, I feel like it almost sort of detracts from the level of FCS. It's like, oh, well, there's a bunch of middling teams there, and then there's like one group that's got it figured out. You know, no one's really going to look into it and see what that is. Yeah, it brings attention to it. I mean, their run is certainly amazing. And anyone around here gets how incredible it is of what they're doing. And it's fun. I mean, it's cool and it's fun. But I don't think, I don't think it, it's on it's, – it's not parallel with the other teams that you're talking about because there are, I don't know, a hundred and something other teams above them. At a higher level, certainly. uh, And NDSU has proven they can play there. I get that. Like, they've beaten a lot of good teams there. But I just, I I don't think it's really the same thing.
1: But let me ask you this. Is UConn women's basketball the best basketball there is? No. No. The NBA for, for is for women's and basketball. For women's basketball, yes, but not. It's not the best basketball there is. If you wanted to watch the best basketball, you go watch the NBA. Heck, yeah,
3: uh, Alabama's not the
5: best their- football
1: that there is. Everybody loves it, though. No,
5: no, of course not. But there's a start. There's there's clear lines drawn. One, the women's there's there's a gender difference. So there's women and men's, and you and it's also there's also a difference between amateur and collegiate or and professional. Sure. So, I think you're looking at the, the the tops, you know, there's there's benchmarks for all those things and if you're at the top of that benchmark, that's that's more interesting I think to a lot of people than when you're at like a uh, a 1AA or you know an asterisk. Well, I'm going to just have to disagree
1: with you on this cuz they are at the top of the benchmark. They're at the top of the FCS. Coulter, benchmark.
5: what do you think? I want to hear Coulter's
0: opinion. Coulter agrees with you. I I think that <laughs> Man, I, I think that the disparity in spending in college football is really stupid because I think that football should be a salary cap sport no matter what level you're playing at. And I think there's a definitive reason why the NFL is the most popular sport in the world, or in the country at least, and that is the fact that, that parity is so ripe. The Browns are the only team in the entire league that did not have an above 500 record one time this, this decade. Mm-hmm. Every other team gave their fan base at least a glimmer of hope that they could win. Whereas, and it's because of the salary cap. And in college football, everybody spends, the more you spend, the more you win. And I think that's, I mean.
1: Okay, hold on. Chuck, you got 15 seconds, and then we got to get.
5: All right, uh, Ryan, I had a great time at your birthday party last week. Congratulations on almost being 40. (laughs) Appreciate that.
1: Another great benchmark. 39 years old, almost to 40. Thanks. Yeah, Tucker. one
5: double A one double A of the birthdays right there. That's, Way it. To go that's it.
1: That's it. Maybe that's why I love it so much. Uh as always, we appreciate it when Tucker calls us around here. Uh but listen, I just think when here here's what, all I'm saying is if that if, if there was no dynasty, okay, if it didn't exist at all, the FCS playoffs would be looked at uh on accident. By and large, and with no thought whatsoever about them, North Dakota State contextualizes what happens at football at this level for for everybody else in the country that doesn't follow this on the daily or weekly basis.
0: Great, so it's irrelevant to everybody except for it's only relevant to now. It's only relevant to everybody but one team. Brings more people. Brings more people. We'll talk more tomorrow.
1: Enjoy.